Welcome to another episode of My Loops Are Up Here. This is Dr. Shivani Kamodia Barto, and today I am bringing you part two of our interview with Dr. Parl Duamukar and discussing life interrupted. If you have not yet listened to part one, definitely go back to the last episode and have a listen. Parl gives us a beautifully detailed and tragic recount of her the loss of her brother through oral cancer, the diagnosis, the treatment, and we just start to scratch the surface on some of the lessons that he shares in his book, Life Interrupted. In this part two of the interview, we go more into depth on the lessons learned from the book, and we discuss the grieving process that Parle has been going through and her lessons that she's learned along the way and that she is wanting to share with anyone else who may be experiencing something similar. In terms of lessons that he spoke of, are there any ones that you want to highlight that you want to share? Um, I know there are so many <laughs> chapters <laughs> and I want everyone to read the book, so I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, is there anything that really surprised you or took your breath away? You know, um, his concept of mortality, you know, when he, he talked about um, being immortal, but I, I think as a lesson and um, that he had on fear, you know, you should just fear the fear itself, like that concept of fear of not able to do things. We don't do things because of fear of moving, fear of changing jobs, you know, and especially in dentistry, you know, a lot of young dentists um, or are people who've been in there for many years, you know, there are lots of people who found discontentment in their chosen profession. And there's that fear of, oh my God, I took out a huge loan. Um, What is society gonna say if I stop my practice? Uh, How am I gonna take care of my family? How am I gonna repay these loans? What am I gonna do with my life if I'm not a dentist, right? A part of our identity is our work. Um, and, And him saying that not to fear, you know, do your, true calling and it's okay to change and it's okay to not be in that chosen profession that you have. And and this point has been raised and shared in different other blogs and other articles um, and about the discontent, especially with COVID, I think the discontentment of a lot of dentists have left the practice, sold or called in early retirement. Um, but he was, you know, don't fear, fear itself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love um, how he calls it the professional pursuit of unhappiness. Uh, unhappiness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, and he wrote about fear. It's one of those cap, and this is his words. Fear is one of those captivating emotions that is both essential for life in appropriate circumstances, yet when harnessed inappropriately, it can be both paralyzing in our development and quite frankly, dangerous from both a physical and mental perspective. And and that's so true, you know, and, you know, people do get paralyzed in a way, like I can't move from this because I'm scared of what tomorrow will hold when nobody has seen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in his article about leaving dentistry, this last paragraph that he had in his last writing, in summary, if you, deeply feel that what you're doing goes against every fiber in your body, spend some time doing some soul searching as to why you're actually here. You will be surprised that most of us have chosen our paths without an in-depth analysis as to what we actually want. And hence, we are left with a deep sense of unfulfillment. This can lead you into two paths. On one, you realize your original sense of purpose and your why, which can lead you to a renewed renewed sense of fulfillment. The other can identify a glaring gap between your present choices and your true need for fulfillment. And you realize that on your current journey, the two will never meet. Wow. This is a profound thinking about, you know, 
feeling that emptiness, even though you are, you know, may, and it may not be dentistry, it may be a marriage, it may be um, having children, not having children, you know, whatever, you can take any circumstance in life, um, not happy with where you live, you know, and having that fear of change and, and then feeling that unfulfillment, that unhappiness, that void in your life. Um, that we sometimes build with things that ne don't necessarily fill it. Yes. Yeah. I, I am very much surrounded in this world of people in dentistry who are almost like what you're right. COVID was like a wake up call for so many people in our profession mm -hmm. of this dark side that we didn't, we kind of were ignoring um, of, of there's many people in the profession who don't love it. And there are many people who do love it. It's right. not you know, it's a decision that we make when we're teenagers, <laughs> we're right. 18, 19, 20, when we decide to pursue this career path. And you're right. It's a huge investment. It's financially, emotionally, time investment, everything. everything. And you're right in any other life decision, same thing. It's, it's that fear of, oh no, what have I done now? If I, if you, you figure out, it's not the thing that you're most passionate about. And then there's that almost some shame with it as well of I have the privilege of this career and I, every day I hate going into the office. If that's how you feel, then there can be that shame or guilt associated with it. Um, and I think what Manu's been able to do through his writing and his article is spark that conversation that it's okay to, to admit that you want to course correct. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's start yeah. start from this moment now, do some soul searching, figure out what it is you want. And and maybe dentistry is just a job that allows you affords your passions, right? right? Or maybe it's something that you want to make a drastic change and leave from because there are so many people who are pivoting in dentistry, who are becoming entrepreneurs, who are um, becoming coaches, consultants, uh, right. and you're not boxed into this. Uh, practice ownership, you know, this ideal model where there's only one way in dental school, this right. is the way you're going to do it. And that's so isolating. Um, and so I think what he's been able to do is start this conversation and to normalize saying, Hey, I think I'm ready for a change. This is, right. I'm realizing that maybe this isn't what I wanted. Um, and right. that it's, it's okay to say that, that there shouldn't be fear of failure and right. there shouldn't be any shame associated. Right. So, um, such an, such an important message. And I'm very young in my career. And then this is something that I, um, my older sister is also a dentist. So just has you and Manu are two siblings in the same profession, right. same thing with me in there. I know that it's a common family thing. And so there's a lot of sometimes, um, that family pressure. My sister loves being a dentist. She loves being a practice owner. She's so passionate about it. Uh, right. And I'm quite the opposite. Uh, and yeah. so to, you know, it's very validating to hear someone else's story and to, um, to, to see that like in, you know, what his most, um, his highest realizations and his biggest advice to people was to take a step back from the life you built reevaluate are the goals that you set for yourself are you the one that set that goal or did someone else set it for you because right. I don't think we ask that question enough so um such such a near and dear topic to my heart because dentistry is something that I'm pivoting out of and um just everything that he's been through everything that you've shared um is so, there's so many people who listen to this podcast and who are part of this dental world um, that need to hear more of these stories. So um, wanted to highlight that aspect as well. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And he realized it young and the only, and I, I feel the reason why he realized it because of cancer, you know, that when you're hit with that life, you know, like, okay, my life's going to end soon. Am I really happy with what I have done? And this is the soul searching, you know, I hope people read the book and, you know, I hope they don't have such time defining reasons, um, but, you know, take that moment for yourselves and, you know, five minutes, whatever. And really, are you truly happy with what you have? Our lives are so short 
And, you know, when we are at the end, we shouldn't be like, I should have quit or I should have done this or I should have started something. Our degrees give us the, you know, not just the license to have our own practices, but so much more. And especially with social media and the world's really gotten a smaller place. There's so much more that we can do and help, uh, not just by drilling and filling, you know. Um, But I hope that people do do a soul searching and if dentistry is your calling or whatever, it doesn't have to be dentistry. It could be any aspect of your life and you're truly happy in it and you find that happiness good for you. And if not, I hope you make that step towards a positive change. Mm -hmm. So I hope people do that. Absolutely. It's, it's a huge wake up call um, to, to not wait because I think when, when you're in a profession like we are, you get stuck in this mindset of like, okay, I'll be happy when I get into dental school, when I graduate from dental school, when I have my own practice, when I get the car, get the house, you know, it's always, it's always okay. The next best thing. thing. Absolutely. And so to really look around and enjoy the journey, enjoy the process, as opposed to just the destination uh, and realize the small things in life. Like, do you really enjoy studying patient care, the practice ownership, like asking yourself those questions is so important. Um, Yeah. So many, so many lessons in that. Yeah. And I was just looking at um, his section on trophies and this is what he talks about, you know, as children, these are his words. I'm just summarizing, you know, we're always like, Oh, you're going to win that meet or we're going to win that race or we're going to come on the top of our class to get the highest GPA of signa cum laude, of magna cum laude. And, you know, we're always achieving every step of our lives that it's so true The getting, you know, what you touched on, on trophies. And we're always, and then as we get older, the trophies are, I want that bigger house. I want that nicer car. I want, you know, but are we really fulfilling our core, um, you know, if we fill our lives with these fluffs of these mental trophies, or we put something on Instagram or Facebook, how many likes and stuff we got, you know, but is it truly making you happy getting or achieving that? And that's kind of, are we doing, you know, finding that contentment that while we're chasing trophies, we don't lose ourselves in it, you know, in the chase. Like we're really, truly chasing for what we truly desire, you know, make that chase, but for what you truly, truly desire, not to show it off like, yes, I got it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's, you know, part of growing up and and realizing he realized it a little bit sooner than us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get Very caught wise. in the day-to-day. Yeah, yeah. I love the, the chapter on parents as well, because I think a lot of his wisdom obviously comes <laughs> from your parents yes. uh, and from elders who have, have been through, through more life than we've lived. I think a lot of his wisdom, uh, like he says in the chapter on parents, is observing, engaging in conversation, learning and listening to the wisdom that our elders have carried before us. Um, even so he lived a lot of life in his short time. Uh, And I wonder, are there lessons that as you've read and reread his words that you are now taking into your life has, are there things that you're going to change about the way you practice or parent or move through the world? Um, definitely. I mean, it made an impact. He would always tell me I worked in a heavily Medicaid practice and I had, you know, wasn't something that I inherited, um, through marriage. Um, and it was good, you know, it was good for the time that I needed it in my life. And I worked part-time with my father-in-law and, but I didn't have, you know, I could take off time I needed for the kids. I, I was there for my children. Um, However, as I got older and the kids were starting school, I knew I couldn't stay doing this. Uh, He retired and my father-in-law retired, but I couldn't stay in that practice because I was not able to grow the practice. I couldn't, you know, the physical space was limiting and I couldn't grow as a clinician. Um, 
you know, somehow Medicaid also, you know, even if you all know with insurances, um, our hands sometimes get tied, um, insurance dictating practice, and it was heartbreaking to see, especially with younger kids and not being able to give them the treatment parents couldn't afford it or, um, and I couldn't because the insurance wouldn't cover it, you know, protocols and like I would send them to the orthodontist and would get denied because they didn't make the check boxes, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, this kid needs, you know, there's an airway issue or there is, you know, a crowding issue. I couldn't do it. I would send and they would come back and I'm like, I can't do anything for you. Um, and, you know, or having to take out teeth where they could have been saved, but it was a back molar teeth and Medicaid's not gonna approve that, you know? And patients are like, I don't wanna pay hundreds and thousands of dollars to save my tooth because I have other things I need to spend it on. So, so I knew I was failing myself in the sense I couldn't improve, um, I couldn't help these people, I couldn't improve myself, I couldn't grow the practice, you know, there's all these limiting factors. And Manu's, um, my husband, my Manu, they were very instrumental in me starting a scratch practice. And it's very hard to start from scratch. Um, Manu did it and inspired me and I'm like, okay, you know, before I turn 40, uh, I want to make this change because if I, and it's that fear, right? It's, I had that fear. I had two young kids. I have a mortgage. Um, I have a husband and uh, starting a practice from scratch means devoting a lot of time to it and relearning everything. Cause I started a digital practice with no charts. So learning the computers, I'm not a computer person, you know, navigating through all of that, um, and moving clients, some came, some didn't come. The what ifs, what if it doesn't work? Um, well, I'm taking, I don't have any, I didn't have any loans at that time. So taking on a loan later on in life and where you have family obligations, you know, it's, it was a tough, that fear. And I had to let go because the other fear of I'm going to hate myself 10 years from now when I had the opportunity to change and I couldn't because I was so scared of the change. You know, I knew if I if I continued, I wouldn't be happy. So he taught me that lesson. And as he was, you know, it was very hard for me to let go of my father-in-law's practice for, you know, been in the family with his family for 20, 25 years. You know, his kids watched this practice grow up and it was hard to let go because you know, I almost felt like, okay, am I failing them? But if I do that, then am I, um, am I failing myself? You know, it's, it's such a hard decision. And, and um, you know, my husband totally 100% supported me. He's like, this is what you want to do. I want you to be happy. Go for it. And my brother pushed me. I took out the loan. I started. I worked six days for two years trying to manage both of them. And I started my practice, my second practice in 2018. And Manu's diagnosis came in 2019. And, and, you know, as he started failing COVID, everything, all these factors. And I was like, I, you know, again, I needed some validation. I did get it from a consultant. And to be like, it was okay to let go of my father-in-law's practice and focus on mine because really truly life is short and no, I cannot work six days a week. I need to be there for my children. The whole reason for me to do this was to spend to, you know, my father-in-law's practice took me an hour, hour and a half sometimes to get one way. And the other practice was 20 minutes away. I, if I needed to be at school for a function, I can be there, take time off and still go back to seeing my patients. So that balance, I need it, you know, which our profession, you know, affords us. And we're so lucky to have that profession to not be at a job nine to five and not have to answer to someone. We can take that. And I had to let myself be okay to let go and give myself that permission to move on. And, and this is, you know, when this is all towards Manu's, I knew Manu's death and I, and then I had to do that self-reflection, like, what if it was me? What, how am I going to be happy? And what's going to take, you know? So he inspired me to let go of things that didn't make me happy and for myself. And he would always tell me, you do so much for others, you know, class mom, 
organizing their parties, um, you know, as daughter-in-laws, we take care of our in-laws and trying to take care of my parents' stuff. And, you know, I would tell Manu, let me be in, in your doctor visits, um, helping my parents navigate through the funeral, every little thing. And now, you know, I can't help them day to day, but, you know, we talk every day two, three times and I try my best to sort things out for them, whatever I can. And, you know, he would say, he's like, when do you take time for you? You're lost being pulled in all these directions, the house, the groceries, the, the kids' homework, their activities, their, their play dates, the, you know, class mom duties and in-laws duties and friends and everything else. He's like, he would always tell me, he's like, you're going to end up hurting yourself. And, and this is what I said in grief, I learned how to say no. It's so hard, you know, I, my husband, we would have weekends pre-COVID where we would have three events on one day and I would say no to no one. I'd be like, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. We'll drop off a gift. And we're running from one event to the other event. Oh, this kid has this practice here and the other one has that and one birthday party. And then our friends have something, you know, we're constantly in this race and we're constantly like, okay, go, go, go. And COVID, you know, yes, it was a wake up call for us as a profession, for us as individuals, like, and post-COVID, our social circle shrank. Um, I realized who truly were there at their time of need. Um, you know, when I was gone for two weeks for the funeral, who helped, who came, brought food, you know, family not necessarily are the ones to help. Sometimes it's your friends who become your family. Um, and you realize this is going through. You so can't choose your family, you can pick your friends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and, and this is all through Manu's inspirations. And, you know, he, um, he guided me in his own way. Um, his fight, his death helped mold, you know, and helped me sit up and say, oh my God, this is what he was talking about. And I need to rearrange my life to what makes me happy. If I'm not happy, I can't be happy for other people, you know? Mm -hmm. You generally, like, you just, that peace, that inner peace, that inner calm. If you're in a turmoil in your heart, in your mind, going to a practice you're not happy with, or, you know, or life decisions you've made and you're not happy with, and if you're not just content, it comes out. Mm -hmm. It, your body, will react you know it's he talks about his mind how powerful the mind can be and it's true if you don't take care of yourself your your inner peace your minds you know that calmness that you need eventually your body will will find a way to take it out whether it's in high blood pressure or cardiac issues or you know, having a panic attack or, you know, aches and pains, whatever, inability to sleep or, you know, depression, it, it comes out if you're not happy within yourself. And I think he taught me how to find that happiness for myself. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Brings up two thoughts for me. The first one is you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So the, yeah. the self-care of you've got to fill your cup first, put your oxygen mask on first. Yep. Um, and then I had a friend who, who says, you know, it, it really matters what you fill your cup with. Cause you can fill your cup with, you're right. You know, all these errands and birthday parties and doing things that maybe you don't really want to say yes to, right. Right. You know, yeah. running the rat race, yeah. your cup can be full of that. And it can be full of this deep dissatisfaction in your life. And what happens when your cup gets bumped, that's, what's going to come out. So when there's turbulence in your life, when there's unexpected things that happen, right. Illness, pandemics, whatever it may be, when those unexpected things come and bump your cup, what's going to come out. So if you're filling your cup with that good stuff, it pours out to supply, you know, fill your family, your friends, the world around you. And then it also, protects that that mental wellness that you just described as well so that comes up for me and then the second thing was the courage of 
letting go of the life that you currently live to, to have the courage to take the step forward and make the changes to live the life that you want, because that's, that's the scary part, right? It's the fear that you mentioned, like the fear of staying in that old practice because of what you thought, or is it the fear of starting something new, doing a startup practice? So, you know, it, it'll, your new life will only cost you the life that you already have. And so that comes up for me as well as, as he inspired you, um, and gave you the courage and showed you the path, right. To, to making that change to, to, it cost you your life. It cost you that practice, but look at where it got you. Uh, right. and it's now allowing you the, the freedoms that you, that you want and need to, you can have time with your family, right. which is beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And, you know, and a lot of times, sometimes we focus on the monetary aspect and for me, that, that was one of the biggest factors was I was comfortable financially and then having to take out, you know, be in debt all over again, that everything comes with a cost. It's what you're willing to pay. Are you willing to pay it in your health, your wellness, sitting in traffic, um, not being happy where you're practicing, or does it come with taking on a loan and we'll pay it off, we'll work through it, limiting our expenditures and, you know, bringing out a way to work through it. So, you know, it's what decisions you make to what you want. And, and Manu, you know, with his writings, and that's what he was saying, like, really focus on what makes, gives you the happiness, the internal peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing that we've discussed previously on the podcast, so um, myself, my parents are immigrants from India, Priyanka, the founder of this podcast, her parents are as well. And so we've talked about, you know, as first generation dentists, as professionals, um, sometimes there's this, you know, immigrant mindset that we may adopt from our parents. And it may not be something that they've told us, like monetary wealth is what you should be working for, or, you know, never take a break. These aren't things that maybe they were said to you. Maybe they weren't. It was just kind of an unsaid known thing, but I I've noticed with a lot of first generation, um, professionals is that we have this, we have to shift our mindset on that is that we see the struggle that our families have gone through to come to this country, to succeed, to provide a life and an education for us. And now we need to hustle to do the same thing. But what I think is beautiful is as I'm learning it, my parents, you know, they've already known this. It's more, it's more of an unlearning for me is the wisdom of it's not all about the money Yeah, that will come if you're doing what you love and what will help others. Um, and yeah, create that, that immortal impact. And it's, it's more so this mindset that we need to shift within ourselves. It's, being in a culture where we've seen people who are less fortunate or who have worked really hard to be here. I think it puts a lot of, we put pressure on ourselves um, to, yeah, to, to produce right. And dentistry is literally production. It's all about that monetary production. So it takes a lot of unlearning to do. And I'm sure it's a constant, it's a daily reminder for, especially if you've been practicing for a long time or you've been an owner for a long time, like, yeah, it's, it's a big shift. You have to make and you're right, you know, that um, do the right thing and do it with trueness and goodness. Money will follow. It, it's so true. And, you know, and you're, you touched a good point about the immigrant. You know, we all, <laughs> you know, all of the uncles and aunties, they all sit together. Oh, my son is, you know, we're all trying to like, <laughs> my kid did this, my kid did that. You know, oh, he earned this degree. He's working for this company and he has this big whatever house. You know, it's those other trophies, right? And, um, but success really, who defines success? And then this is something that, you know, when I was younger, so I came to this country when I was 17, I came alone, my parents, you know, helped me settle into college. Um, and they lived in Abu Dhabi at that time. And I was in a small town, Edmond, Oklahoma, University of Central Oklahoma for my undergrad. And I had extended family here, my mom's mamas. So my grandmother's brother and 
his kids who were finishing up residency and, you know, they had kids of their own, which are my second cousins. And, you know, from my family in India, they would be like, oh my God, these are these successful people. And they really are. They, again, success, monetary success, right? Big houses and, you know, three cars, whatever. And Oklahoma, everybody had a big house. Um, and, you know, and they're traveling, they're doing all these things that they have the ability to afford it. But, and that's what people look at as success, the tangible aspects, but success to others can be in a smaller home and with a well-balanced family. And, you know, it's what you want that defines your success. If having those big monetary things makes you happy and you want the big balance in the bank account, you're successful. But if having um, a happy home, less monetary stresses and less loans because we don't have the big house or I got to travel, I want a smaller ring for my wedding because I'd rather take the money and I'd rather take a trip and have um, an experience. And I'd rather reflect on those than a rock on my finger, you know? So it really, that makes me successful that I got to travel the world or whatever it is that, you know, writing or I want to draw and that makes me happy and I'm successful because I got to express myself in the way I wanted. So success is very arbitrary. It's not one for everyone. Deeply personal. And it's very personal. And, and I think as immigrants, we are the first and we're raising you know, our first generation, my kids are a first generation Americans and uh, for, you know, and, you know, they have a very different outlook on life. You know, they don't, they didn't see the struggles that our parents saw and they have been afforded, you know, a lot more luxuries than we had. And um, so their concept of success is very different mm -hmm. than others. And we've been, you know, that and you, that unlearning, you know, like, okay, you have to go to school, you have to go to this, you know, you cannot take a break between med, uh, between undergrad and dental school, you got in, go, you cannot take a gap year, you know, you cannot go explore the world and get no other knowledge, you know, knowledge is not necessarily books, it is life experiences. And, um, you know, it's like, go, 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 okay, now you're done school, okay, now you need to get married, okay, now you need to have kids, you know, it's always the next thing. Mm -hmm. And in that, sometimes we lose ourselves, and we don't know what we wanted in the first place, mm -hmm. because we're just checking off the boxes. So we're trying to get to that success point, like, you know, whatever it is that we've been given the target. And success is, it's really arbitrary. It's how you define your own success, and you could be successful in your life. And and be content um, and you don't have to justify it to anyone. Yes. And it's okay if your definition changes as well, because I think that's good that there's growth, right? It's okay if your definition of success changes as you right. grow through life. Um, and I think it has so much to do with values and safety. Um, success, I think, with in regards to immigrant families has a lot to do with safety, right? It's It's not necessarily basic needs in some situations, yes, but it's it's about having your your house, your education, your you know your vehicle, having enough and money to be able to do things. Um, whereas myself, having the privilege and your children um, growing up without ever having any lack of and and never having any struggle right so for me i've always been very safe and i i imagine that's what it's like for your children as well as yeah. i never have to worry about safety and that has allowed me to reevaluate my values so no longer is it monetary or money that is my top value right it's experience or freedom or um, contentment like you mentioned um, those are my new values because i've had the privilege, um, to, to feel safe in the life that I have. So, um, I know this is kind of a little tangent from, from the original topic <laughs> of the conversation, but I think this yeah. is, is valuable because so many, um, first generation or immigrants, international dentists come to the U S and it's a, it's a completely different system. Uh, it's right. a completely different ball game here. So it's a great, great topic to talk about. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I wanted, I had a couple other questions that I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, we talked a lot about like the life lessons and, um, and how that will impact how you move through life and how we hope it gives people a wake up call. Um, but I also want to talk about the health system, the lessons within the diagnosis and the, the treatment, um, how COVID has impacted things. I know we already talked quite a bit about grief, um, but yeah, what are the lessons that you would like to amplify and for, for people to really be aware? Um, so self-care is one that, that comes up for me is, is the importance of, you know, again, putting your oxygen mask on first is for dentists, especially single practitioners, you don't make time for yourself and how important it is. So that's a huge one. Um, you know, where there is failure in the health system as well of a long Manu's diagnosis and treatment, there were many points where things could have been different and we will never know, um, what could have happened, but, um, there's it's red flags. And if we can save more lives by highlighting those points of failure, I think that's really important. Um, yeah. If you want to talk about those points, that'd be Yeah, you know, hindsight's always 2020. So, you know, we always know, (laughs) we always think that what if we had done this? What if we have done that? Would have money survived? Would he have had a longer, you know, uh, cancer may have reoccurred, but maybe 10 years down the road. Um, But yeah, you know, really knowing your body, you know, our profession is very demanding. It's mentally demanding, it's isolating because we're all in our little practices unless you're in a group practice. Um, We take on a lot of stresses and it's little, little things, you know, patients like, oh, but this thing is like this color off or this shade off or my bites, you know, and and we take our work to our heart and, you know, uh, it's it's back breaking, neck pains, shoulder aches, you know, all sorts of things, you know, it's a sedentary, we're just in our little bubble, we're not really moving around too, too much. Um, so t- taking care of self care is so important, not just physically, but mentally. Um, and listening to our bodies, um, our body, if you are in tune with yourself, you'll know, you know, something doesn't feel right. Um, you're having issues, I don't know, breathing or something is aching or, you know, the lesion on your tongue that hasn't healed for over two weeks, you know, pay attention, don't prolong it. Um, Things are easier dealt with when they're smaller than when it becomes like this huge obstacle. So, you know, paying attention, advocating for ourselves, advocating for our patients, you know, Um, sometimes patients don't know what they have and that's where they come to you for your guidance and you know would could be any range of issues from sleep apnea to um you know oh that yeah i've noticed a bubble it comes and goes i don't know what it was you have an abscess you need to take care of this um i don't know why i have bad breath you know small things or it could be big things um you know um so really advocating and being there for ourselves being there for our patients um and Manu's health, you know, unfortunately, you know, where he was, we couldn't, I don't know if it's the fault in the Canadian system, um, because it's not one thing that I can pinpoint and say, oh, he didn't get radiation. Okay, that's the reason why, you know, it was a multitude of factors all rolled in one. So changing the protocols, um, and I hope you know, his story brings those changes around. He's not the only one, um, but this is the fault of the social system, if you will. You know, there's no accountability. It's, you know, there's no teamwork that everybody worked together for this one person. It's like, oh, oh, this is, you have white blood cells. Okay, go to this person now. You know, oh, you have a swelling here. Oh, plastics will deal with you. Oh, plastics refer to somebody else. You know, it wasn't like this whole team coming together and saying, Let's look at this person. And this is what, as ourselves and as doctors, as um, people who come to us for, you know, trust their care in us, it's, we're treating that person. And, you know, I'd like people, dentists and even new grads, whoever, to, to truly understand that, that 
for that hour. And, you know, and this I'm speaking as, as somebody who had, you know, somebody who lost a, a brother to, to a, not a third world country, to North America knowing and um, who was, didn't have a lack of anything and not a lack of education, not a lack of resources, not a lack of money, not a lack of uh, access to care, you know, um, having all the facilities and still lead to his death. You know, it's, it's that wake up call that's set up like we're treating people. And, you know, I had a life crisis when I knew my brother was dying, but, you know, I had to like, okay, I can't do anything about it. Take that few minutes. I have to see a patient. Take that five minutes. Like, just need to breathe, refocus, because I have to go see somebody and I need to focus on that person for that half an hour, hour, whatever they're with me. My focus is that thing. The rest of the issues, we all have issues in our lives. Um, and it could be small, it could be big. You know, the teacher's calling because of this, or your husband's stuck somewhere, or whatever it is. Um, you know, we all have it. But for that half an hour, hour that you're with a patient, as a doctor, as a patient, you know, be in that moment, be there. And, um, you know, you could save somebody's life. You listen, some patients come, there are older patients who come because they haven't seen anybody and they just wanna come and chat sometimes. And yeah, I want a denture adjustment, but they're telling you a whole other story. Be mm -hmm. present for that, you know? and. Um, they'll appreciate it. It's not always about monetary. It's sometimes just being a good human and and um, and really advocating for yourself and your patients. And you know, this always boggles my mind. His death will always, you know, there are times when I just can't grasp that he's not there. Like you know, look up his number and he's not gonna pick up the phone, removing his name from my address book. It's like this alternate universe that you live in. How did this happen in a country where we came for the betterment of our lives, you know? And then, and then, then you know, we played all those what if situations. Um, and I hope nobody ever has to, you know, what if we never left India and he had he gotten better care there, he would have never had this or, or had he been in the States or, you know, would he have gotten better care here because the doctors were, would be more mindful. And, you know, and, and that's really it, being present in that moment. Don't think about, oh, I have to go home and do X, Y, and Z and dinner needs to be cooked or kids need to be picked, it'll get done. But be there for your patients. And if you're the doctor, and then if you're your patient yourself, be mindful of what the doctor is treating you. Know your, um, know what you're going through. Kind of do your own little reading and ask questions. And mm -hmm. and as doctors, it's okay not to know the answers, and look them up, refer them, ask for help. It's okay not to know. It's okay to ask. It's okay to admit you're wrong, and it's okay to say, "I'll come back to you." You know, but be there. Wow. Yes. I think, um, I heard three big lessons there. One is awareness of your own, own body, right. Your own listening, you know, we're moving through life so fast. Most of the time, like slow down, take some intake on your own body, <laughs> do a scan that awareness of your own body. And that's meditation. That's mindfulness throughout the day. Um, presence with your patients. So to be truly present as a practitioner with each patient um, and compassion, I think for families as well, like you mentioned what it was like for your parents to go through this and to not have that medical background, right? So to be able to convey through a global pandemic, I think a lot of people have learned through a global pandemic, um, not everyone can be in the room at the same time. And so the person yeah. that you're caring for might not be in control over their care, or if it is a very serious matter, they may not be, the patient may not be in the right headspace to receive the information that you're giving. And then from a patient perspective, I love that you said this is, is advocate for yourself always like know your, your medical history, be prepared, have the questions. Don't be afraid to ask. And then as the practitioner, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not have the answer. 
have to say that again. Like it's okay to not have the answer. It doesn't mean you're a bad doctor. (laughs) It just means that you are going to go seek that answer and take better care of your patient because of that. So um, huge lessons right there. I hope with his words that yes, people do a self-reflection, you know, do this whole re-navigation of are we happy where we are, where we're headed. Um, Maybe not in the situation we're not happy, but we're working towards a better goal. Um, You know, and being mindful being present in the moment for ourselves, for our patients, for our family, learning to accept that we did the best we could. And and it's okay not to know all the answers. And sometimes answers will come in life later on in life. I'll be like, oh, you know, we're put in situations and we don't understand the meaning. Um, You know, is there truly a God? Or, you know, you can go into this other whole dimension, but we don't understand what we're going through, why are we being put through this? And these are your defining moments of your life um, to mold you, you know, to a better person or a different person, your perspective change, your success stories changes, your um, what's important for you in life changes. Um, You know, going out Friday night and hanging out with friends may not be as important as staying home and watching, you know, and sleeping or whatever it is that you want to do. So life changes. There's no, the only constant life is change. I've moved many countries. I've had different families, um, you know, different friends. And the only constant is this constant change. And, and it's letting ourselves mold to the change and not being rigid. Nope, it has to be this way or no way, you know? Okay, circumstances change. COVID changed a lot of things, you know? okay, we, we have to go go get groceries, we have to put on a mask, you know, whatever it is, mold to that. And, you know, hopefully life will treat you well. And, um, you know, it's just, I, I hope that um, this brings about a change. And I know his writings definitely did stir up conversations in the dental world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a new beginning for the profession. New beginning. New beginning. And a, and and if this was his calling and this was his purpose, I, I hoped um, if all I could do was that, then I'm happy with I, what I could do for him. Couldn't do anything else. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you are making a huge impact. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to share this, this story and everything you've been through. Um, I know we talked about a lot. Do you have any other lessons or messages you want to share? I'll tell you a little story though before I leave. When I came, uh, I was 17. So I I was settled in Oklahoma. And um, before we, I started college, we did a tour of all of the United States. You know, we, um, it was my parents and my brother. He was seven at the time. Sorry, he was 10 at the time. I was 17. And we did, like, we came to New York, we did New Jersey, um, we stayed in New Jersey, we went to New York, we went to DC, um, we did California, we did Disney there, we did um, um, Vegas, Texas, you know, we kind of just did a little road trips all around. And so for me, the defining moment was, you know, we visited DC, I, I remember walking the National Mall and it was right before college and, you know, I'm learning about U.S. history, and then I learned about it in, in history class and, and all of that. And uh, last month, I took my kids to Washington, D.C., and my oldest son is 11 at that time, and my younger one is eight. So now it's this whole cycle. You know, exactly 25 years later, I revisited. I'd never been to D.C. in those 25 years, and I'm like, Oh my God, I came here and it was the four of us, my parents, my brother, and my, now I'm coming back 25 years later with my kids who are the same age. We're doing the same things. We're doing the same monuments. We're doing the same. But in that 25 years, you know, I got two degrees, a GPR. I changed citizenships. I got married, had kids. I lost a brother, cremated him, um, you know, moved all these different places. 
like so much of life happened. And it was almost like this full circle. Now I brought my kids to DC and maybe, you know, they don't understand the significance of that trip that I, I felt like this part of completing Manu's journey almost. Like I didn't get to watch you grow up, but you know, I didn't get to see you what you could have accomplished, but I've gone back to that starting point where I started my journey as in the US and before starting, you know, college and dental school and all that. And, and we're right back to where we started. And it was very, it was, that trip was very important for my closure. I just want to do. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I go, that goes to show that grief is, it won't shrink, right? It doesn't shrink. And it's not something that will ever lessen over time, the sadness of this, but it's that your life will grow around it, right? You're going to build so many more memories with your family, with your beautiful children, you're going to, this immortal message, this giant impact that your brother has left, you're going to carry this torch for him and your grief may never lessen, but your life will grow so much around it. And maybe in another 25 years, you'll be taking your grandkids there <laughs> or, you know, yes, you'll have, you'll have another full circle um, moment no, there. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of that, but yes, that'll complete another circle. And mm -hmm. that's what life is. It's moving on and, and you're right, building new memories and still, you know, who have left us don't really go anywhere. We still have their memories and they stay with us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Parl, so much for everything you've shared. If you have, um, I'll put in the show notes, all of your contact information. We'll link the book, the blog posts, everything for people, for resources. If anyone wants to reach out to you, um, I'll provide your contact information if you're open sure. to that. And yeah, um, yeah, I'll, yeah for I'll sure. If I can help somebody who's in my shoes or who's been in my, going through B, if I can do anything, I would be honored. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so, you so much. much. Thank you so much.